The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and we had some great main stage speakers bring us convicting and inspiring messages. Today we're bringing you one of those main stage messages. Have you signed up for the next National Disciple Making Forum? Every year, disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making. Save your seat and register now. You can find a registration link at discipleship.org. At checkout, use promo code PODCAST to get 20% off your tickets. In addition to this podcast, you'll find many other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. Here's today's keynote message. Good afternoon. I bring you special greetings from Sierra Leone, from Africa. I want to thank the Lord for this wonderful opportunity to share with you what God is doing. And I want to begin by saying whatever I'm going to say here is not my story. It is God's story. It is God using ordinary men and ordinary women to do extraordinary work. Do you know that the difference between ordinary, extra, and extraordinary is just the word extra? Ordinary, you know, the word extra and extraordinary, the only difference is the word extra. You know, when God touches ordinary people, he makes them extraordinary. When that which is ordinary is touched by God, it becomes extraordinary. And the only man in the universe I know, the only one who can do it is God. That is why I call him the impossibility specialist. He's the only one who specializes in impossibilities. He went to the University of Impossibilities. In the Faculty of Impossibilities, he graduated with distinction in impossibilities. So therefore, what man cannot do, God can do. It is with that background that I want to share with you, submitting to God in a discipling relationship, calling to God through fasting and prayer to open disciple-making doors. You know, Jesus facing the horror of the cross cried out, Father, let this cup pass from me. But in the ultimate act of submission to God, he declared, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Or let your will be done. Jesus, his prayer in that garden was, Father, if you are pleased, take this cup away from me. But in ultimate submission to his father, he cried, but father, let your will be done. I want us to know that we who follow Jesus are called to be like him in everything. Therefore, every day, in every way, we must submit to God by saying, Thy will be done. In everything we do, in everything we say, that is the ultimate goal. Because he called us, we did not call ourselves. And if we are in the business, if we are in God's business, 
then we must do God's business God's own way. If we want to get God's own result. The problem we have today in the world is that many people want to be involved in God's business. But they want to do it their own way. And at the end, they want to get the result, God's own result. It is impossible. I pick, call it the pick and mix religion. You pick some philosophy here. You pick some theology from this side. You pick some ideology from this side. You put it in the box and you mix it. And expect to get a divine power. It will not work. You get a hybrid. And that hybrid will lack the power. It will not be aligned to God's word. The process of disciple making is all about God's will being done. It's all about God's will being done. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is right now in heaven. You know, one of the things traditionally, I also come from a traditional church background, they always taught us to pray that we'll make it to heaven. Our prayers were always wanting to go to heaven. But I have come to realize that we should pray that heaven will invade our hearts. So that every day we are living in heaven here. And one way to do that is through prayer and fasting in a discipleship relationship. The disciples, they said, let that will be done in heaven as on earth. God wanted heaven, earth to be like heaven. And you know it is possible if we do it God's own way. Everything, therefore, we do must surround this. God's will for his followers is clear. The will of God for the followers is very clear. Make disciples and teach them to obey. In Matthew 28, when you read verse 20 or 19 following, you see that his will is teach. Make disciples and teach them to obey. Jesus did not call us to make converts. There's nothing like convert in the theology of Jesus. It's disciples. Whether they start today, they are disciples. They can even be disciples even before they know Jesus, but they are in the process. Jesus never said, my converts. He did not say, go into the world and make converts. He said, go into the world and make disciples. But you know what? We've just turned it around. We go into the world and make converts. No wonder today we have converts who are elders in the churches. Converts who are bishops. Converts who are apostles. But they have never been discipled. God's will for his followers is to make disciples and teach them to obey. Disciple-making process has three levels of submission to God. Three levels of submission to God. Number one... The disciple maker submits. Three levels of submissions in disciple making. Number one, the disciple maker submits. You can't give what you don't have. You can't hit what you cannot see. You can't say, I'm a disciple maker. And you yourself, you are not submissive in a discipleship relationship. The disciple maker submits. The second thing is that the lost submits. 
the lost submit. The reason why we are making disciples is so that the lost will submit first to the Lord Jesus and to the authorities that are discipling them. But third is that the spirits submit. The spirits submit. That is the three levels of submission to God. Prayer and fasting is an active ingredient for all three. Prayer and fasting is an active ingredient for all these three. Disciple makers to submit, the lost to submit, the spirit to submit. Prayer and fasting is an active ingredient for all three. We submit to God through prayer and fasting. Because Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Prayer and fasting recognize this reality. That is why I love the word from Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to say to all of us here, if there's any man on the face of the planet that limits God, I am not that man. I don't ever limit God. Because if God could create the world out of nothing and make this beautiful planet and make man out of dust by breathing into the nostril of a dust and he became a living being, and made man so wonderful and fearfully made with every complexity. What else? What else can God not do? And we have seen that when we submit as disciple makers in fasting and prayer, God honors that. You know, we have prayed for tribes. We have prayed for the most unlikely people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. We spend time in prayer and fasting. For us, we call it abundant prayer. We fast and pray. You know, just to give you a picture of our prayer discipline, the first three days in every month, we call it Daniel prayer. All throughout the movement, thousands of people in Sierra Leone, outside Sierra Leone, wherever the movement is, and our partners, we fast and we pray. We seek the face of God, thanking God for the month, but yet thanking him for the other month that is coming. The last day of every month, the last day, by 11 to 12 midnight, we call it open heaven prayer. Every member in the movement that has been discipled with their families, we come out in their compound or wherever they are, and they will spend one hour in prayer. Thanking God, God, this is the last day in the month, and I celebrate that I'm alive to see it. But Lord, we are praying for the lost soul, the lost tribes. We are praying for the lost nation. Father, go ahead of us and touch hearts. Let the unlikely people come to know you. You promise us in your word that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. God, your word is true. We pray, God. Reveal to us persons of peace in communities. People who serve as bridge in the community as we go to these communities. Father, we pray for protection as we go. Because we know the evil one is out there 
He's ready for us. But Father, you have said to us, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Every Wednesday in a week, we fast and pray. And we meet together in a prayer time. And we call it power night. You know, God is a powerful God. He has not changed. The problem is that most of us, our theology has changed us. Most of us, the society in which we live has changed us. Most of us, our cultural beliefs have changed us. But that, that doesn't mean that God has changed. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he's still doing it, and he will do it tomorrow. If that is the premises on which we stand, then we know that he can bring every tribe to himself. He can bring nations to himself. He can bring the most unlikely people to himself. One day, a radical young man from our cousins wrote me a letter. He hated me. He said to me, the only thing that would make him happy was to see me dead. The reason, he said, because I always say Jesus is the only way. He said, how can you say that? There are other ways. In fact, Jesus is just a prophet. But there is a greater prophet than Jesus. So stop saying that. I have documented letters where they wrote me and they said, we'll burn down your house. This is what we'll do to you. I remember one day, I came face to face with this young man. And he looked at me in my eyes and said to me, the thing that will make me happy is to see you dead. And as far as I know, I will live to see you dead. And I looked at him and I said, if that is the will of God, then it will happen. If not, you'll be alive to see the power of Jesus. Amen. And do you know what? Miraculously, we started praying for him, praying for his family. When we say we are praying, we are not talking about prayer. Some people talk prayer. Some people discuss prayer. Some people measure prayer. Some people study prayer. But when we talk about prayer, we pray prayer. We have more than 10,000 intercessors whose business is to pray and fast. Before I came here, we just ended the one month time of fasting. When I go back, we are doing another one more time of fasting. We seek the face of God in fasting and prayer. The reason why I saw Jesus do it. He did not start his ministry until he has gone into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you know the Bible in John chapter 1 verse 1 following, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Why did the word need to fast that way? If he is the word. But the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So the word fasted. Jesus prayed so much that it became part of his tagline. And he went out to pray. And he went out to pray. His disciples looked at him and they said, Master, they did not say, teach us the 21 principles of success. They did not tell Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to be prosperous. They said, Master, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them how to pray. Before choosing his 12 disciples, he prayed for the whole of the night. In the morning, he sat on the mountain and he called the 12. Before the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus would have said, love, fish, multiply. They would have multiplied. 
But he lifted it to his father. He prayed. And the multiplication came. Jesus prayed so much in times of crisis in the garden of Gethsemane. He told his friends, his disciples, pray with me. But they did not understand the power of prayer. They were sleeping. Today, there are so many people who are still sleeping at the wheel, on the wheels. They are sleeping. But Jesus prayed in such a way. At the end of the day, even his first word on the cross was prayer. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. His last word on the cross was prayer. Into your hands I commit my spirit. If Jesus could pray the way he prayed, and I want to be a disciple of Jesus and a follower of Jesus, I go for the best principles. And one of the best principles is prayer and fasting. So this young man, when he told me this thing, we started praying for him and his family. And one day, he had a very serious dream. And Jesus appeared to him in his dream. He was on chains. And then he said, Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus pointed to the chains. And it's the chains were loose. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. This happened three nights in a row. The first night, he went to our cousins, where he used to go and fellowship. And they prayed for him. They said, this is a bad spirit. It should stop. The second night it happened, he went back to them. They prayed, and nothing happened. The third night, he was looking for me. <laughs> and so he came, and he became my disciple. Those who have visited Sierra Leone have introduced him to so many of these people. And he became my personal assistant. And then became my program officer. Today, as I speak to you, he is a member of parliament. He is a follower of Jesus. And he is now talking to other members of parliament. They are doing discovery Bible studies in the worlds of parliament. What man cannot do... God can do. So that's why you, when you're discipling people, you also have to be submitted to God in fasting and in prayer. The second thing is that the lost submit to God through fasting and prayer. Pray that the Father will draw the lost. If the Father is not drawing them, the lost are not coming. If the Father is not drawing them, the lost are not coming. That's the reason why some of us are frustrated with our work. Because we want to use all the wonderful PowerPoints. We want to use all the wonderful technologies. All the latest performance in the market. All the marketing worlds, we want to use them. Those things are fantastic because we are living in the 21st century. But let me tell you, those things cannot bring the lost. Anything that is going to touch the heart of the lost and bring transformation in their heart is going to come from the power from God. And God can use all of these things we have said, all of it, when we submit it in prayer and fasting to God. The loss had to be submitted. Pray, we pray that the veil will be lifted up. The God of the world has blinded the minds of the people. So we pray that the veil will be lifted up. We pray God, let the veil be lifted up from their eyes. The veil of ignorance, the veil of tradition, the veil of false religion. Father, lift it up. We cry out to God. Let the veil be lifted up. 
Father, shake their foundation. Somehow, anyhow, you can do it. Whether it is by a tornado, it don't matter. Shake their foundation that they will know that you are God. You know, the father said, if you ask, she will receive. <laughs> and so we pray this prayer, and we have seen the lost, people that oppose what we are doing, standing against what we are doing. We have seen them get saved. You know, during the war in my country, there were a lot of atrocities that were committed during the war, a lot of evil work. And so I started to speak out in the area where I stay. As I said, telling them, you people say, you know, you love God and you are godly people. How can you be killed in the name of God? How can you cut hands, hack hands out, chop hands, legs out in the name of God? How can you do that? So my message was not popular. We have a civil Malaysia group that was, we call them the Kamajos. They were fighting. They were also killing people. One day I was going out to find food for my family. And the commander... The commander, they saw me and they said, that's the man we have been to. This, this is the man that talked against us. This is the man that says that what we are doing is evil. And they arrested me. You know, if you, if you are back in Sierra Leone, when they arrest you, they tie you. In our local language, they call it tabe. They will tie you in such a way that your fingers could touch the back of your neck. With your chest protrude. This commander was so furious with me. I am going to kill you. When I kill you, go and tell your God that I, commander, killed you. He said, right now, your God cannot do anything. You have been talking about your God. What can your God do? Let your God save you now. He had a pistol in his hands, and his boys had AK-47. The Russia made God. They were waiting for command to shoot. In that moment, I bowed down my head. I said, God, if this is my time to die, I'm ready to come. But Father, please, if I'm going to die, I want to die with one more person for you. And let it be this commander. <laughs> let this commander come to know you. Because my prayer every day is that God, if you're my dying bed, bring one more lost person that I will tell the message before I die. I say, God, that is the greatest thing you will ever do for me. One more. I lifted my head and I said, Commander, please, I want you to give me five minutes so I can talk to you. He said, go ahead and talk. You're already a dead man anyway. Go ahead and talk. I said, Commander, please, I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I was in a pain, and for me, nothing matters any longer. Because I have seen this man, I have seen them, how much they have killed innocent people. I said, Commander, because right now, if you shoot me, I'm going to make it to heaven. But if you die, you don't have a place to go. But if you do me this favor, if you accept Jesus right now as your Lord and personal Savior, and then you turn around and shoot me, Jesus will forgive you. Both of us, if we die, will have a place in heaven. I said, Commander, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. His hands are widely open, waiting to receive you. This commander looked at me. He looked at me. He was lost for words. He told his boys, untie this man. Let him go. Something is wrong with his head. Something is wrong with him. <laughs> and so they untied me and they let me go. But a few weeks down the road, the commander came looking for me. And the commander said, since that day when you told me that if I die, I don't have a place to go. And the way you spoke to me, he said, nobody has ever spoken to me the way you spoke to me. He said, I want you to be my friend. That's how we became friends with the commander. And through that friendship, commander gave his life to Jesus. And I baptized him in the river Sewa. And two of his boys also got saved. As I speak to you today, commander is part of the movement. And one of the guys is a missionary planting churches. 
Two of them are planting jobs, but one of them is a missionary right now. Let me tell you, the lost can, be, can submit to God. When we go down our knees and pray and fast for them, the lost can submit to God. I have seen communities, villages, towns, unlikely people, people that you will never expect, submit to God because they were lifted up in prayer and fasting. The last thing is that the spirits submit to God through prayer and fasting. The Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. This fight is a wrestling match. But it's not against physical people. It's against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We are in a war, friends. We are in a war. Don't be casual. You will become a casualty. A lot of people, you can't be casual in a war where there are heavy artilleries flowing. Paul said, we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the tricks of the enemy and having done all to stand. Prayer and fasting is one way. We have seen the enemy bow down. We have seen the enemy give up. We have seen villages, communities open up. I have seen people in the neighboring countries where we have disciples. The testimonies in the sa- is the same. All the other places where we have sent missionaries, the testimony is the same. Unlikely people, common people, people who are enemies of the cross, coming to know Jesus. Towns opening up. I remember we, want, we wanted to plant a church in a particular community, so I went to that community. And the people knew me. One of the guys came, I know you. I know you're a pastor. I know you want to bring a church here. He said, on my dead body, no church will ever come here. And all the other people came and they surrounded me. They were pushing my head like that. And I smiled. I said, I know what to do. I went back. I told my intercessors who started to pray for them. The summary is that every one of those people that said it will not be done, it is impossible. As I speak to you today, they are not only church, they are churches in those communities, and they themselves are part of it, but not only that, their children are part of it. Man cannot do that, but God can do that. If we are going to fight, if we are fighting against principalities and powers, that means the heavy lifting is done in the heavens. That's where the heavy lifting is done. It's not here. We have to submit in prayer and fasting. I want you to know, success is built around starting like you want to finish. Success is built around starting like you want to finish. The process of creating and sustaining movements begins and ends with thy will be done and launched and sustained with prayer and fasting. I want to challenge you. Brothers and sisters, it works. It works. And it can be done. If we do it the Jesus way, it can be done. So I normally tell people, you can decide to start with three hours fasting. Three hours. God is a God of humor. He understands. (laughs) I know you will need your coffee badly in the morning. But just start with three hours a day. Then move it to six hours. And gradually, you see, start slow so that you will go fast at the end. Start small 
so that you go big at the end. They move it to 12 hours. They move it to a day. Then two days, three days. I have people in this hall who are my friends who I disciple them to do it this way. Today they are doing it. In this nation, they are doing it. They fast like us. Three days, one week, they are fasting. It can be done. It can be done. And I want you to know as I end, I am an African. But every day we are praying for this nation. The reason is, many of you, your forefathers left the shores of this nation to go to different parts of the world to bring the gospel to our people. Had it not been for some of those missionaries, some of us would have been in the cave fighting in tribes. They brought the gospel. And those gospel was passed down to generation. Today, many of you have forgotten that. But we want to pray that this nation will come back to Jesus. That America will come back to Jesus. If God could bring Nineveh on his knees, I am praying that God will bring America on his knees. That America will come back to Jesus. And this nation will be taken back for Jesus and Jesus alone. This is possible. Remember, he's the impossibility specialist. You can't do it on your own. But with Jesus, you can do it. Let us pray. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. Oh, great things he has done. Greater things he will do. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. I say great things he has done. Greater things he will do. Unto the Lord be the glory. Great things he has done. Father, great things you have done. And greater things you would do. If we submit to you, God, in fasting and prayer, as we submit in discipleship relationship in fasting and prayer, greater things you would do. Father, I pray today that heaven will invade our hearts. Heaven will invade the hearts of our families. Heaven will invade the hearts of our neighborhood, our nation. Heaven will invade the hearts of the members in the churches. Heaven will invade their hearts. That God, even though some of them think they will not do it, they don't have the capacity. But God will pray that they 
are just ordinary men and women. But Father, you did it in the book of Acts. It was ordinary men and women that you touched that became extraordinary. Father, I pray that all the ordinary men and women in the churches today, the common men that pray and listen to God. It's not only about praying, but listen to you so that they will obey you. I pray, God, that the churches, you will raise up disciples in these churches, God. Father, ordinary men and women who will be touched by God and will become extraordinary for you. Yes. Disciple makers that will make disciples, that will make disciples, that will be submitted to God, but also submitted, God, to their leaders, to authority in the church so that your name will be glorified. Your name will be magnified. God, this moment, I know the devil is not happy. He was not made to be happy. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, we say, you old devil, you devil of tradition, you devil of religion, you liar, you have been a liar from the beginning. You are the father of all liars. We are children of the living God. We believe in Jesus. We will not bow down our knees to you. Our knees will only be bowed down to Jesus. We say in the living name of Jesus, we come against you now and we command you to take your hands up from the church and from the disciples. We are going to make it with Jesus. We know it is possible. With God inside of us, it is possible. Father, we pray, bring America back to you. Bring the churches back to you. That there will be power and God, authority in the church. And your name will be glorified and your name alone. Father, we pray when you have done this through us, that pride will not enter our lives. We will not think that we did it through ourselves. It is all about you. Therefore, Father, we promise you we will not touch your glory. We will never touch your glory. All glory belongs to you. All honor and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Wow. So, uh, as we pray and seek God's heart uh, through discipleship.org, our team, we realize there's not a disciple-making movement right now in North America. And when we look at what's going on here with what's going on there, this was the key thing that is so different, is the way they fast and pray. So I'd like uh, you to welcome with me a couple of my friends. Dave Clayton leads a church here in the Nashville area called Ethos. Uh, he is a disciple maker, learning how to make disciples like the rest of us are. Would you welcome Dave? And beside Dave is uh, Mandisa, who is a disciple maker. And uh, most people know her in an other venue that we'll talk about, but I want you to know she's part of the Discipleship First Tribe. She's a disciple who sees life through the lens of being a disciple and making disciples. So welcome, Mandisa. I warned uh, Dave Clayton before Shadonke started, I said, when he's done, I'm going to turn to you, Dave, and say, what do you think? <laughs> so Dave, what do you think? You know, honestly, I, I was sitting over there and uh, just the Spirit of God was stirring me um, so deeply. And I don't, know, I don't know what you're feeling, but I had a, a wave of things coming over me. Um, I felt inspired. Um, I felt convicted. I felt bothered. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the things that I felt as I was sitting listening to you speak is as an American pastor in a room filled with mostly American um, church leaders, 
if, if we leave here merely being inspired by what God is doing in you, it's a travesty. Um, I, don't, I don't have any desire to be inspired. We're, we're addicts to inspiration. Um, you know, what, what I want is to, to be broken in spirit enough to respond in obedience. And, you know, several years ago, my wife and I, we were on a retreat seeking the face of God together. And uh, the Lord spoke very clearly at us on that treat, retreat. He said, Dave, what you and your wife are going to be a part of in the years to come, you're going to learn from the global church. We didn't have any idea what that meant. The Lord began to connect us with different brothers and sisters all over the world. And what we have learned in this experience is that when it comes to disciple making, we as Americans are not the experts. We are the infants. And then I believe that if uh, we want to have any part in what God is capable and wanting to do right here in our own country, it is going to begin with this repentance of pride where we must come humbly as learners to the table. And that we must come into moments like this saying, man, we don't want to be inspired, but we want to learn from you. And we thank God for you. And we thank God for the way that you came and challenged us. And, and I, I sit here just saying, man, I don't even deserve to be on the stage with you. But I thank God that I get to be here under your teaching and leadership. And I'm praying quite literally that you would leave the anointing and the mantle that God has put in you and upon you within us and upon us so that we could see it happen in our day, in our generation. So... I'm just being stirred up, honestly. Yeah. So, Mandisa, you travel around. You, uh, with, with Lion Share, are involved in a lot of conversations about disciple-making. What do you think about what you heard? I was challenged as well. And I think um, what struck me was my lack of desperation. When you hear about your life literally being threatened and how in that moment that you could choose... <laughs> to tell that man about Jesus. I, I was convicted by that because often I get offended when somebody says something bad about me on social media. So <laughs> to actually have my life be threatened. And, and I think he's had it threatened five times, you were saying. Five times he's been at the point of what he just described to us. Yeah. There's just, there's something I think that God is stirring in me. It's, it's almost a scary prayer to say, God, can you make me that desperate for you. I know even saying that, I'm not praying that quite yet. I'm going to pray that in a moment. I just, <laughs> I need to kind of work my way there. I, that's a scary thing to pray. Like, can I be that desperate? Can I long for you that much when you pray things like that? Watch out because things like that start happening. And I think my prayer right now is I want to want that. There's a part of me that wants, is a bit, wants a bit of it, but there's a big part of me that's really scary and scared of that. And so I think, I think what God is challenging me is to make concentrated times too fast and to pray and to ask God to give me that desire. That's what I feel like my action point is after that. That's good. So here's the question uh, that should be uh, in the mind of every one of us when we think about how Shinonke tried to guide us about if Jesus had to fast and pray for Jesus to do his ministry, the Son of God, who was the Word of God, if he had to fast and pray like that, and then Shidonke's told us of what they've learned by fasting and praying like Jesus, why don't we pray that way? Dave, your, your father was uh, in ministry. You're in ministry. You've looked quite a bit at this uh, around the world. 
Why don't we fast and pray in North America like what Shinonke is saying? You know, I think just a couple of things come to my mind. You know, the, the first starts with us as leaders. And, you know, I think us as leaders, um, we, can't, we cannot lead our people into the places that we aren't willing to go ourselves. And so I think that's part of it. But I think even beyond that, I think we as leaders, uh, a lot of times we think um, we're leading our people, but the reality is they're leading us. We, we can't lead people unless we love those people. And the reality is we can't love those people if we need those people to love us. And so a lot of times in the context of our leadership, we do things disguised in love, but it's really an effort to get them to love us. Yeah. And when you stand up and you say things like, hey, we want you to deny yourself, we want you to lay your life down, we want you to disrupt your comfort, um, they don't love us. And when they don't love us, that steps on our leadership. And so I think for a lot of us, we, we have to come to this place going, man, we're already loved by God, and we've been called in that love by God to love the people that we've been called to lead. And so that means we can lead them and love them, even if they don't always like us, and we can call them to do some difficult things at times for the sake of what God's doing in the kingdom. And so I think part of it starts with us as leaders just being able to say, hey, God, we're already loved by you. We've been called to love them. We're going to invite them into things that are uncomfortable, even if that means that we, we trample on their gods, their, their idols that they keep smuggling into our church services every week. Uh, I think the second part of it um, starts with our people, and we've allowed them to feast on the junk food of cultural Christianity. And uh, when your soul is satisfied in lesser things, you cannot even hunger for the things of yeah, heaven. That's good. And so part of this is we have, to, we have to allow the taste buds of our people's souls to be emptied of the junk food of the age so they can crave the things of heaven once again and really start longing for some of this stuff that you're talking about. Otherwise, uh, they never get there. You know, it's interesting because uh, for most people, like uh, in my church context, where I'm trying to describe to our people how important it is to fast and pray, the automatic reaction I get is, I really don't know anything about that, and why would anybody want to do that? And so it's kind of like, if we're really candid, we're coming from a church cultural tradition in North America where that is typically not the norm. Now, we can go back 200 years ago to some of the forefathers and we can find that that was more common, but recently it hasn't been happening as much. Um, and so it raises questions for us uh, that we have to work through in terms of like what does the Bible teach and how do you do it and, and why do you do it and all of those kinds of things. So just as an as a everyday disciple of Jesus, Mandy, so what are you thinking when you're hearing this stuff? I'm kind of, how are we just going to discount an entire part of the Bible? Like, you know, there's a lot said about fasting in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we just, it's just, I'm laughing at how we just... I'm just going to scoot that under the rug yeah, as if it's yeah, not yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in America, we, we have so much. We have a lot. And there is something I hear about these moves of God in other countries that don't have as much as we do. And so for me, I'm just, I'm realizing the connection between those two things. The fact that when I want something, I get on my Amazon app and I order it and it shows up at my door two days later. Yeah. And sometimes That's, within two hours. Oh yeah. We, we won't go there though, Bobby. Um, <laughs> but it's just so interesting to me the when you fast, you're literally denying yourself of these things. And so 
I, because I want to experience a move of God like I'm hearing, because I hear about these, the way that God is working in miracles and in signs in parts of Africa and in Asia where they don't have as much as we do. To me, it feels like there is a connection to my lack of seeing God move in those ways yeah. and the abundance that I have. And so I think that's what I'm, that's what's stirring right yeah. now in my yeah. heart is I think God is saying that we need to be fasting more than anybody because we have so much. Yeah. Because when we choose to deny ourselves, yeah. that helps us to realize our utter desperation for God. Oh, I, so, I, yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. And you said something that I just want to draw out for us to think about. You said, if we really want to see God move that way amongst us. Mm-hmm. Shiranki, you said something as you began. And that is, what is God's heart for the lost world amongst us? And if that's true, and if this is so important, how can we not be doing it? So I have a question for you, Shadonka, and then Dave, I'm going to come to you, and I want you to share some things you had to work through as you were leading with kind of resistance, but you stuck with it. But first, Shadonka, from your perspective, having you've spent time here in the past in America, why do you think we don't fast and pray like what you're saying? That's a very good question. I think people should know that um, fasting and prayer is disruptive. Disciple making is disruptive. I want to be really fair with you. you know, a lot of people think it's the coolest word in time, it's a new tag, it's disruptive. Like Uber, like Amazon and all those things, it's completely disruptive. Now, when people say, most have had the theology, oh, you know, we have everything, so that's why people don't fast. Jesus had everything. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He could call thousands of bread and the bread will come in a second. <laughs> I mean, he could deliver even faster than Amazon would deliver. (laughs) He is God in the flesh. When people ask his disciples, you know, John John the Baptist, you know, his disciples were fasting. John the Baptist fasted. He was a forerunner. When the disciples realized that Jesus' own disciples were not fasting, they asked him, why do the disciples of John fast and your disciples are not fasting? He said, you don't expect the bridegroom to fast when the bride is with them. But when the bride is taken away, the bridegroom will fast. Jesus was taken away 2,000 years ago. The bridegroom, that's why the disciples understood what to do. Because they knew he's now inside of them. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations, all tribes, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. But you see, we have this, many people, what I call convenience theology. We take the portions that are convenient for we and we obey them. The other portions that are not convenient for we, we bring philosophy and rationalize them. So as a result, you get what you want, what you have. But I want you to know, I have the opportunity, I have the privilege, I have traveled in many countries around the world. Even here in America, these days I was fasting. There was abundance of food. But I want to obey him. I want to obey the Lord. All that he has commanded. And fasting and prayer is part of the all. 
And so that I can hear him, as I pray and listen to him, what are you saying to me? You see, when Jesus said we should go into the world and make disciples, he knew that the world, in John chapter 17, when he prayed for his disciples, he knew that the world would, the world would be too much for us. He said, in the world you have tribulations, but cheer up, for I have overcome the world. So the issue here is that if you look at the ratio of the average Christian, I also am involved in a little bit of research because I do this. The average Christian has one wife, four children. The average cousins, for security purpose, I will not call it the cousins. They have four wives, eight children, 10 in some cases. I have a friend, an aged woman who died very recently. He had 10 wives, 80 children, eight zero, 10 wives. If you look at the ratio, there is no way we are going to match up with them. That is why Jesus knew long ago, go into the world and make disciples. When we go through fasting and prayer in submission, listen to God in obedience, he's going ahead of us. Those who are not followers of Jesus, he will make them. There are so many people having dreams around the world who have never seen the picture of Jesus, but they're having dreams. They're coming to Jesus. He said, if we cannot do it, he will raise stones to do it. <laughs> he will make babies do it. And I am scared. I don't want stones to do it. Mm. I don't want babies to begin to do it. Who will be a big problem? So the issue here is that we believe it's part of the command of Jesus, just like love is part of the command. Just like to be generous is part of the command. Just as being faithful is part of the command. We believe that this is part of the command. We can't take some and rationalize the others. Mm. You know, it has to be the whole piece by grace in Christ Jesus. That's right. That's good. Okay, Dave, help us to get real practical here. So on a couple of fronts, I, I want to press you just a bit. One is, because we've been friends for a while, I know you've tried to lead your church to an emphasis on prayer. And you had to make some decisions to stay with it, even though it was hard. Talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, so several years ago it started with uh, the Spirit of God. He convicted me. He said, Dave, your church isn't a praying church because you're not a praying man. And uh, I know none of you could relate with that, but, uh, you know, I said lots of prayers and we had lots of prayers, but he said, you're not a praying man. And the Lord began taking me on a journey. And part of that journey, he started taking our family to different parts of the world. And we went and spent some time in uh, Kenya. And I remember our first day in Kenya, we, we landed on the end of a 30-day fast uh, for the church there. And we just... We saw the fruit of that fast, the power, the life, the love, the transformative stuff that God was doing. And we, be, we became convinced that there's this major, um, there's this major area of, of underdevelopment in our church. And so we came back and with all sorts of zeal and passion, I made a lot of stupid mistakes, but I remember coming back and our church had never prayed and fasted ever. And I come back and I'm like, in three weeks, we're starting a 30-day fast, and and uh, and if you want to grow your church, let me tell you, that's not the way to do it. 
And uh, if you want to make some room in your church, that's an amazing way to do it. And right. we called them to 30 days of prayer and fasting. And, and uh, it, in some ways it didn't go well, but man, the Lord just strengthened those that went after it. And he taught us so much and there's all this grace. And we've, we've kept at it. We've started devoting ourselves to prayer and fasting in different ways. And it's been amazing how over the last several years we've begun to see, uh, I believe, a catalytic shift in the core of our church where, uh, you know, we're not there yet, but we're, we really are beginning to believe that God is, you know, in, in the business of doing the impossible. And he's, he's elevating the temperature of faith uh, in our community. In fact, go ahead, David, and uh, if you would, there's something that you felt led to do earlier in January of this year talking with you and Sydney, we're really working on it. And tell us a little bit about what you're calling the greater Nashville area. Yeah, so earlier this year, it was halfway through our church's 30 days of prayer and fasting. And one morning I'm, I'm praying and I'm in our living room. My wife and I, we have three little boys, eight, six, and three years old, and we're praying. And my youngest son, his name is Judah. And as I was praying for Judah, the Lord just said, Dave, what would you do if Judah went missing? Hmm. I said, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd spend the rest of my life looking for that little guy. That's my job description if he goes missing. And the Lord said, Dave, your city is filled with my missing kids and the church is no longer looking. He said, I want you to wake up the search and rescue team. He said, I want you to raise up a strategic intercessor for every name, every neighborhood, and every nation represented in the city of Nashville. And I thought, Lord, I can't even get our prayer team at church filled. How are we going to do that for the city of Nashville? And so a few days later, I'm at our weekly prayer meeting as a church. We're there. I didn't want to be there, honestly, but I was there because I'm the pastor and I have to be there. And so I was there that night and I was, it's true. Have you ever had a day when you didn't want to pray? Sure, you're you? right. Okay. <laughs> I was feeling a little judged. No, that's true. Sure. That's um, true. And, okay. Good. I, I normally tell my disciples, you know, there are times I hide. Yeah. So I tell my disciples, I say, you know, Jesus on some occasion, he told his disciples, let's go on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. He is human. And, um, and so I was having one of those nights. I didn't really want to be there, but I was there. And at the end of the prayer meeting, this guy comes up and he says, Dave, I, this is random. I just think the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you this. He said, did you know you can get a list of every name and every address in the city of Nashville? I was like, what? And, and so we got the list. And uh, it's a huge list of... Uh, every name, every neighborhood, every address in the city of Nashville, and we sense God calling us to mobilize the body of Christ in Nashville this next year, not for our church to pray and fast, but for all the churches to pray and fast, to bloody our knuckles on heaven's door saying, hey God, would you, would you break the spirit of religiosity over our city and would you bring your lost kids home? And so we've started asking, asking the churches in Nashville to come together uh, and to do this, and every time we started telling churches, you know, leaders this, they're like, Dave... Churches in Nashville don't pray and fast, and churches in Nashville won't even go to barbecues together. They're not going to do anything spiritual together. And I'm like, I know, you know, I've been here for a long time, but the Lord has been moving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now we've, we've got somewhere around 140 churches that have committed, you know, this next February, February 2019, we're going to pray and fast for the lost. And at the end of that season of prayer and fasting, we're going to write a letter to every person we've prayed and fasted over just with the gospel of Jesus, not under the banner of our church's name mm -hmm. or in your church's name, but under the name of Jesus, and we're going to ask God to do what only God can do. And then we want to release a strategic intercessor into every street in the city of Nashville next year to hold up the mantle of leadership for that neighborhood. And then I'm praying that it will happen across the nation, every city across the nation in the years to come, and that God would do in America what he's doing in Sierra Leone and uh, 
So we'll That's see. Sounds pretty good to me. How about you guys? So if uh, you're in Nashville and you want to be a part of that, you can send me an email. Uh, my email is daveclayton at awakennashville.com. And, man, we'd love for you to be in on it. And if you're in another city, man, we sense that God's wanting to do that there too. And so, man, shoot us an email. We'd love to get connected. And uh, we're making this up. It may not, we're making it up as we go. It may fail. But uh, if you love failing together, then I'm your guy. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's fail together. It's so interesting. I just got off of a tour um, where we hit 16 different cities. And I've never done a tour like this before. It was called Girls Night Live. It was just for women, a few sneaky boys, in from time to time, but we um, we went to these different churches and we asked them if they would help us to organize at least 10 intercessors to pray that night, and then if we had something at the end of the night where we wanted to call them forward to get them to pray, um, that we would have a team that would be ready to do so. And it was really incredible how in every different city that was able to happen, but there were about four cities where we, we went to these churches, and they said, I'm sorry, we can't get together a prayer team. Nobody, there's nobody that will pray in our church. And I just thought, I don't know, hearing something like that makes me think, one, how that breaks the Father's heart. But then two, how because I was able to see that, that that means that he's given me a burden then to pray for these churches that I've been in that can't get together a prayer team. And hearing how God has mobilized you to do something in Nashville that is so, we need to talk later, but it's so the heart of what I've been praying for Nashville and how with all of these people here, how I, I just, I see us like little light bulbs that we are getting filled up and lit up here and then we're going to go and infect every single city that is represented like God can birth a revival right here, right now, that's going to infect our entire country. So I'm here for it. Let's believe him for it. <laughs> well, I want, I want, you, you want to say something, Dave? Can I just say one quick real, you know, just some of you are sitting here and this whole journey for me, it really began in this place of great discouragement. I remember one Sunday morning, uh, the Lord said, Dave, don't preach today. I want you to just call the church to prayer. And I remember standing up in our church saying, hey, we're not going to, I'm not going to have a sermon today. We're just going to pray together. And as we start praying, I see people in our church start getting up and leaving. And it, it tore my heart out. And the Lord sent me, I, honestly, I felt like I kind of went into the season of spiritual depression spiritual grief and if you know the stages of grief you know it starts with denial and then it moves to anger and then it moves to uh, control and then it's depression and then it's acceptance and I remember one morning in particular the Lord kept taking me back to that moment where people were leaving our church when I called them to pray and, uh, and he said Dave in the kingdom of God the last stage of grief is not acceptance it's activation and in order for me to use your heart I had to break your heart and I believe the reality is some of us in order to make our churches praying and fasting churches we're going to have to come face to face mm with the grief of the reality that our people are not praying people. Mm -hmm. And it began to break my heart that there were people in my church who had no interest in talking with the God that had saved them. And I went, man, that's, that's an issue. And I'm going, okay, Lord, would you help us in this? And so if you're sitting here going, man, I don't know if our people are there. All of our people aren't there yet, but I'm going, I want them to be there. And that's what we're asking God into. And he's been doing amazing things as we've kept walking into that discomfort, into that disruption. And I think God can do amazing things. And so be encouraged if that's where you're at. You know, uh, uh, so I know you're a disciple maker, mm -hmm. but I understand you're also a singer. Is this true? <laughs> This is true, yes. Is that my cue that you want me to sing a little something, something? Actually, yes. Would you share with us a song? Yeah. Um, I get hot when I sing, so y'all, sorry. It's going to come off. 
Um, can I stand? Please. Okay. Okay, thank you. Are y'all going to stay back there? Because I'm a little bit uncomfortable with you being back here while I'm standing like this. Okay. <laughs> All the ladies know what I'm talking about with that. Um, there is a song. Let me back up a bit. My last album is called Out of the Dark because I was in a really dark season um, from about 2014 until 2016. Strangely, it came off of what would be considered my biggest critical success. I released an album in 2013 called Overcomer, and it was a song to help people to stay in the fight until the final round. It was... Um, it was birthed from a friend of mine named Keisha, who was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was pregnant with her second child. And so her son Brennan was born, and he was beautiful and healthy, and he just turned four this last June. Um, and then Keisha had one year with Brennan and the rest of her family before she went home to be with Jesus. And I'm just going to be honest, it's not the way that I thought it was going to happen. I thought that I would be sharing the stage with Keisha for a long time and that she could tell her testimony about how God healed her. And it was actually something that I felt like the Lord was saying to me in my times of praying. So you can imagine when she passed away, my default was to say, well, I'm not going to ask you for anything anymore. Because when I asked you, you didn't give me what I was asking you for. And so I stopped praying. I stopped fasting. I stopped fellowshipping with other believers because when you're in a dark place, you don't want to be around the light. Light is uncomfortable. In this room right now, I can see these first few rows, but for the most part, it's really dark. And then there is this spotlight that is shining down on me. And this spotlight isn't really comfortable to me right now. It's a little bit like if I look into it, it's hard. It's hard to look at. And so when I was in that dark place, I didn't want to be around the light. But there are people, one of whom is sitting right over there. His name is Dave Buring. He is the founder of Lion Share Leadership Group, and we're about to do a breakout session together. But he discipled me, and he kept calling me and texting me, and I did not answer. I would not pick up my phone because I was in the dark. I didn't want to be around somebody carrying the light of Jesus. But it was because of people like him praying for me that I'm still here today. There was a point where I had a handful of pills and I was just going to swallow them because I didn't want to be here anymore. And then I think about how he fought for me. And it's because he fought for me on his knees that I'm still here. And I can tell you that God is faithful, that he is good, that he does not give up on his kids, that he is relentless. And he comes chasing after his children. And it's because he carried the light of Jesus in my life that I can stand on this stage and tell you, don't give up the fight. If you've got somebody, a sense, there are people here that you've got somebody like that in your life keep calling and texting. They're not answering. Don't give up. Keep praying for them. You keep reaching out to them and you keep being the light of Jesus because God very much wants to be somebody who will speak. But the fact that he uses us to be his mouthpiece, the fact that he uses us as his hands and his feet, it's astounding to me that the God of this world would choose to use us to be the ones that he speaks through. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. Have you signed up for the next National Disciple Making Forum? 
Every year, disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making. Save your seat and register now. You can find a registration link at discipleship.org. At checkout, use promo code PODCAST to get 20% off your tickets. In addition to this podcast, you'll find many other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.